Welcome to the Born to Write podcast, dedicated to writers, authors, and the art of storytelling. Go behind the scenes where writers reveal their ups and downs and how they finally shared their stories with the world. Now, here is your host, Azul Tarones. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Born to Write. I'm Azul Tarones, your host, and super excited today to have Betty Bolte. Did I say it right, Betty? You can just chime right in. Betty Bolte. <laughs> Betty Bolte. She's here to talk to us about The Haunting of Fury Falls in a new book of hers. Not only is she the author of this book, but she's the author of many historical fiction books that have the heart with heart and supernatural romance elements to them. Super excited to talk to you about your book and talk about the process as an author. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. So we kind of started to get acquainted off here. We started talking and a little bit about what we like to do here is help people understand how to unpack and understand where authors get their ideas. So let's start there. So this newest book, The Haunting of Fury Falls Inn, I would assume is another one of those supernatural historical fiction novels. Where did the novel begin? Sometimes they start, you know, with a long process. Some of them, they just pop into our heads in the shower. Where did this book start? This book started as a concept. I wanted to do a haunted location and then build from that as to what the people, the characters, would, how they would interact and how they would deal with the ghost being in this location. So I, I started with that and I knew I wanted to make it historical because I like writing about the past. It's a lot easier to nail down the past than it is the present because of the fast moving technology that we're all trying to struggle to <laughs> keep up with. But I wanted to, I wanted, I don't know if you remember this old show it was called Hotel back in the mm-hmm. I don't know, 80s, maybe 70s, 80s, right. um, where the story, the, each week it was a different episode and they had different characters that would come and go at the hotel. So that's kind of what I, I was tapping into. And there's a, a place not far from my house here in North Alabama called Val Hermosa Springs. And it's the location of a, um, an 1800s resort spring area. And so I kind of transplanted that concept to farther north in Alabama to um, a fictional location off of Winchester Highway in uh, North Alabama. So that's where I started from. Great. And so where it comes with an idea, how do you know it's going to turn to a book? Because sometimes you can have a great idea that might be, you know, perfect in some scenarios, but becoming a full-fledged book or a series takes some commitment on the part of an author. So how do you know that this is the idea that you want to go with? If it stays around in my head long enough that, that I, I can't put it aside, then I know that there's merit to it. There, not all ideas <laughs> evolve into something that you could actually work with. You know, they, they, you kind of have to tweak it or twist it or turn it over and upside down in order to find the real story. And that's, that's where this is going. I'm, I'm, I'm the Haunting was the first story. It's the first story in, in the series. And it tells about how the inn gets haunted and who is haunting it. And then we'll go from that into the, the stories of the individual siblings in the story. So there are, there are four brothers and a sister. And, right. and how that all comes together in book six is, is the overarching story. Right. And so a lot of people probably are thinking, maybe they're fiction writers listening. All writers like to know a little bit about the process. Where did your writing journey begin? So you had this book now, we're going to come back to Fury Falls, but where did this begin? I know you, you've done some writing in articles and columns, magazines, is that the beginning of the the fictional writing, or where where did that start? I started writing short stories when I was in elementary and middle school, and then and I was also writing my own reports about different things out of the world book encyclopedias when I was a kid. So I have literally been writing all my life ever since I learned to read. I've, I've learned I've been 
telling stories in one way or another. It just has become more formalized over the years, you know, as matured and become more educated and worked at learning how to write fiction and that sort of thing. So actually learning to write fiction was much harder than learning to write nonfiction. Writing a nonfiction book is more cut and dried. You don't have all of the moving pieces and the development of character and backstory and all of that that goes with it to write a novel. Right. Well, a lot of a lot of people have different processes. Some people are, are pantsers where they just write, it's sit down and go. Some people are really strategic and plot the whole series. What is your process when you have an idea? What does it look like before words start to become the story? I'm more of a plotter. I'm, I want to know where the story is going. I may not know exactly how it's going to get there, but I have a good roadmap before I start actually putting words on the page. So that's the I know where I started and I know where I want to end. And so right now I'm in the really refining how that story breaks down across all six books so that I can then start and focus on each of the, the subsequent books and the, and the part of the story that needs to be told so that each one has its own satisfying ending and wraps up things in that story, but then looks forward to the next book and what needs to be resolved in the next one. So that's where I'm at in that process right now. Great. And so how long, let's say you start a series, let's start with book one. How long does it take you to get a book out of you? Some some people like to get that ugly draft out as quickly as possible. What's your process for getting it sort of moving? I allow four months to write the first draft and then another month or two to do the refinement of it and do revisions. And then I'll send it out to beta readers to have them give me their feedback of what's working and what's not. And then I'll do another revision pass, and then it's ready, usually ready to go at that point. Not always, not always. I've got another one that's a World War II story that I'm putting the final touches on that's gone through on my draft nine. <laughs> so wow. it's taken more drafts than the, the historical romances took right. and the um, paranormal romances. But hey, it's a, the story's there now, so I'm, I'm, it just took me longer to get there. Right. Where, where was your first book? Like, where was the first book that you published? Is it self-published? Did you find a publisher? And what was your decisions and learning curve for doing that? Well, the first books that are published in my name actually were work for hire back in the 90s. And they were nonfiction books about horse sports, dressage and jumping, and then about school clubs, how to start a foreign language club or a crafts club at school. But then the first, the Hometown Heroines, I I self-published in 2001 originally, because it's a unique format. It's a combination of historical fiction, short stories, and the biographical fact that went with the stories for each of the um, 18 or 19 girls that I tell their story of and why they have a landmark dedicated to them. So I fictionalize the event that made them famous and then provide the factual biographical details, location of landmarks, that sort of thing. And so it became, it was not something that publishers wanted to handle because they didn't have a label it. They didn't know where to put it. Was it fiction or, or was it biography? So I just indie published it back in 2001 before it was cool to do so. And then reissued it in 2012 when the ebooks became available. So it's it's subsequently been re-released as an ebook and paperback. And it won a gold medal from the um, Children's Literary Classics Organization for Best Young Adult Book back in 2015. Well, that feels like a big accomplishment for a book that you just put out on your own, doesn't it? Yeah, I was really, really pleased. They even, I even went to Las Vegas for the award ceremony, and they put a gold medal around my neck and everything. <laughs> it was a big deal. <laughs> that is a big deal. 
So what, what is your, how do you interact with your audience? A lot of people who have, who are authors are listening, you know, you know, I know you have a site where you can direct people to your traffic, but do you, how do you interact with your fans and how do you keep, keep connecting with them? Because obviously you want them to keep buying your books. You know, you're producing books for a fan base. Once you get people liking your books, they're reading the next series. Tell us a little bit about that process of connecting with your fans and how it was at first versus how it is now. Well, right now, the the main way that I connect with fans is through my newsletter and uh, social media. The various I'm on various different platforms for social media. And that has changed over the years from just being sporadic to having a little more consistency. And I blog, so I interact with my with readers at my blog occasionally. And and I will go out and do book talks at local libraries and have gone to book signings to meet people. I went up to Maine a couple of years ago now in the fall and actually met a fan up there. So I was really surprised when she came up and she was all excited to meet me. So that was nice. That's great. And so let's talk to someone who might be listening. He's like, I, I think I'd like to take, a, take my first step towards being a fiction author. And I have some ideas. What would be your advice for them? Like, where would they, where would you point them to start? Because, you know, it's a long journey. You don't just get this, open up your first document and start writing and have a best-selling book on you. What is your, your advice for them? Well, there's a lot to know. So I would, I would start with craft books and I would go to conferences that feature your genre, whatever it is, if it's Westerns or historicals or or romance or, or what have you. And I would find what they call your tribe, you know, find find other writers that write something similar that you can get together with and, and learn from or interact with, maybe have a critique group between you or just get together and talk about writing and really reach out and become part of the writing community. Because it is a very supportive community, at least the my experience has been that many authors are very willing to help those coming behind them. So it's it's useful to reach out and connect with other authors, especially in your own genre. So, I mean, like for me, I, I'm a member of both the Women's Fiction Writers Association and the Romance Writers Association, among several others. But those two have classes on how to write better on the business of being an author, because there's a lot to know about that side of it. It's not all creative. There's more, there's, you're more of a small business owner when you become a published author than most people realize. Even if you go the traditional route, you still are required by your publisher to help market your own work. So you need to know how to do that. And you need a platform, which is where the social media and your website and your newsletter all play as far as creating a fan base and a, a, your brand. You know, So how people think of you when they hear your name, what, what they associate with what you do. So there are lots of different aspects and it's very helpful to have the community behind you and have you know, either a local group or an online group that you can get together with periodically and, and share and learn and work at and grumble so that you're not doing it on social media and burning bridges <laughs> in public. So the, you know, those kinds of things are just important to the community. It's to a, yeah. So what's the hardest part about being an author? A lot of people think, gosh, at first I used to think writing a book was the hardest part. And then I started questioning that as I became an author. What was some of what are some of the most challenging parts? For you as an author, even if it doesn't involve the writing, what part of the process was where you find the most resistance? I have the most problem with marketing. I, I just I don't understand all the statistics and the actually reaching to my audience, kind of the demographics and how you sort that out and how you know what's working and what's not working with like a, a 
an Amazon ad or a BookBub ad feature or what have you. And that just, it goes over my head. (laughs) I I try and do different things. And it's kind of, I rely on my newsletter and the people that subscribe to it because I know they're interested in what I'm writing and hope that that when I send out and say, Hey, I've got a new book that they actually go buy it. But but I don't know how them. There's no way I can make them go buy it, obviously. So it becomes, I hope they go buy it, but I can't. (laughs) It's hard to get visibility right now because there are so many books being published every day. It's just hard to get that, get awareness without spending thousands and thousands of dollars for ads and and that sort of thing. Right. And is is writing your full-time gig these days or are you still doing other things to help supplement? Because I know the life of a writer has its ups and downs. I'm very fortunate that my husband's career supports mine so that I don't have to go. I, I can, I'm writing full time. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, I haven't one, always, I haven't always, I have worked full time as a tech writer in various corporations and at NASA. And so I, I've done the, the nine to five or the seven to 10, depending on you know, like 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. I've done those kinds of shifts too. So it's not, it hasn't always been that I could just write my stories, but it is now, which yeah. is nice. That is great. You know, I think you hit on a point that most authors struggle with, which is, gosh, the marketing of the book is so challenging. Twofold. One, it's really great that you could market your own book because we don't have to get on the radio or get in the TV to be known or take an ad out on the newspaper. But now there's lots of people looking to get attention on social media. And so it is a big dilemma is how to grow an audience of following. And not only that, but how do you get new followers, new people who don't know who you are? And, you know, Amazon ads is a great way, but it's also very difficult to understand what's working, what's not. Uh, Facebook ads can work or they can be a waste of money. It just all depends. So I think what you're facing is a lot, what a lot of people are facing. And some of the people that have come on here that actually, I would say, are book marketing experts do something like you're doing, which is be inconsistently on podcasts or do some sort of outreach every week where they can make connections with somebody else's audience because our audience grows. But then it plateaus because we only have a certain amount of reach unless we pay for the reach or we create content that draws people to us. So I think you're onto something here as far as like a continued dilemma for authors. But let's talk a little bit more about the the process of the publishing, getting your editors cover design. Because if you're a self-published author or an indie published author, you have to manage a lot of moving parts. So once you get your manuscript done, what does the process look like for you? And what is your relationship to your editors? Do you have multiple editors? Do you have one you work with? What's that like? Well, I... Uh, to be honest, I've, I've used editors in the past. The ones that I have used that are they're knowledgeable and they're experienced, but they didn't add much value to my story. And I think that's because I am an editor, so I'm already writing fairly clean. So there isn't a whole lot for them to work on as far as grammar and that sort of thing. So if they don't have anything to add to the story, then I'm, it's not worth me paying them <laughs> to to clean up what isn't there. So I have turned to relying on my beta readers to help me with the story development. I mean, as far as fine tuning, many um, rough spots in the story, and then relying on my own technical editing expertise, as far as the grammar and punctuation and that sort of thing in the story. But having somebody else look at your work is always vital, because you can't, you can't see your own errors when you're too close to the manuscript. So if as a minimum, what I do is I set aside the manuscript for weeks, if not a month, and then come back to it with fresh eyes so that I'm not reading what I want to be there as opposed to what is there. So so that's that's one of it. It is important to have a, an editor, especially if you don't have the uh, 
editorial background like I do, um, which many authors don't have. So it is important to find an editor before you release work so that your, especially your first book, makes a good impression and not a bad impression. And people don't want to read any subsequent books because of the errors in the first book. So it, you're, you never get a second chance to make a good first impression, as they say. Right. So, so that is important. Yeah, that's great. So one of the other challenges that I noticed from authors besides doing the technical pieces is getting reviews. Reviews are social proof, help the book to do better because people who want to buy a book but don't know an author rely on reviews. Uh, what's your strategy or do you have one for getting reviews and do you rely on them and to help other readers learn about you? I have tried different ways of getting reviews. I've got, sometimes I can get beta readers to provide reviews when the book releases, which that, that helps. Um, right now I'm trying something I heard about it's a company called Book Review Buzz, and they through you you pay them X amount of money, and then they will make the book available for review on three different sites, including NetGalley and Booksprout, and their own review reviewer site. So there's more reach, and and getting into NetGalley, I'm hoping will make it easier for people who review routinely to see that there, and then opt to review it. It's a, I'm just trying it, so I don't. I don't know what kind of results it's going to have for me, but if it works, then I plan to use it again when my next book comes out next year. So we'll see. Right. That makes a lot of sense that, you know, a lot of people that find resistance in reviews, if you're listening and you have a book or you're thinking about reviews, one of the most challenging things for authors is to get reviews because people are reluctant to do it for a couple of reasons. One, it slips their mind. It's not top of mind. Two, they are afraid they're going to put something that might be not complimentary, especially if they like the author. They're not sure they want to do something because they're afraid they'll make a mistake. Sometimes they've never left a review for anything before. So a lot of times I, I encourage people to coach their reviewers to know things like on Amazon, for example, that they can edit a review. Tell them, hey, so if you make a mistake and you post something you want to change later or you, you're halfway through the book, but you want to leave a review and say, so far I'm loving this book, you can, and you can always go back and edit. But most people don't know this. So they're reluctant. They want to wait till they read it. And then maybe they get distracted, start something else and they forget. So I find that you have to coach readers through the parts that keeps them resistance. I used to think it was time or they didn't want to, but really it's just, they have a lot of resistance to leaving something public in general. So many people who follow on social media may not ever post anything. They like to follow, they like to look, but they're really terrified to actually put something out there. Right. And of course, the flip side is, if you don't like the book, don't say anything about it. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it's just going to hurt the author. It's not going to help anybody find a good book to read if you don't like the book. And, you know, I've, I've just, we all have different tastes. It's very subjective as to what we like and what we don't like and what we engage with and what we don't. And I think it's more important to say, hey, I really like this book than it is to say, I really hated this book. In my view, it doesn't help anybody decide if they want to read the book or not. Right. That's so true. So let's talk a little bit about, about your current book so people get a sense of what it's about without giving it all away. Let's talk a little bit about Fury Falls In. Where does the, the setting really take place? Is it the majority in the home, uh, in the end? Give us a little uh, like preview of what to expect. Yes, it does take place mainly at the inn, not necessarily always inside the inn, but at the inn in that story. And then it's about how... Carrie, who's the, I'm sorry, Cassie, who's the main female character, lets something slip that 
puts her mother in danger and it leads to consequences that she couldn't foresee. And it's she, while she is attracted to the main character, uh, Flint, he's not interested in a relationship until he has proven his own self and his own and, and get his own career on track. So they're at odds in several different ways and things get stolen, including the horses and, and other issues that are blamed on Flint and that puts his reputation at risk. So they have lots of things they've got to sort out by the end of the book while her, her dad is away and her brothers are away and it's just, you know, a few people there and their customers. So there's a lot on their, on their plate that they've got to deal with in, in that book. Right. Where do you find the inspiration for characters that maybe aren't like you at all? I know it's so easy to say, write what you know, but we know that the characters don't always have our own perspective. So where do you get the sort of insight to be able to give a character depth that maybe, you know, is not in your field at the moment? Well, I've had many different kinds of friends and, and relatives over the years, and I try and think about the characteristics that the character would need that I can pull from these from these other examples in my life. And then I put them together to make a character based on that. So it's not any one individual, but it's maybe the way one person has gets really angry and reacts emotionally. And then maybe it's the misunderstanding that another person tends to have, and they put that together. And so now you've got a character that reacts to everything because they don't understand it, it makes them feel bad and feel inferior. And so then they, they act out. So it just, you know, I, that's what I do. I pull different traits from different people and meld them together to make a new character. Right. That makes total sense. So wh- where do you think that, you know, since you've been in indie publishing for a while, where do you see the biggest shift happening? Because a lot of, as you said, there are a lot more books being published, a lot of more self-published books are actually quite good. And so there's a there's a quite a competition. Where do you see, see any trends or shifts happening in the market? That's a good question. I think I'm seeing a shift. There has been a shift towards erotica and a lot more uh, explicit sex, but I'm hearing more from readers that they don't want that explicit sex so much. They want something that they can refer to their they can recommend to their grandmother or their daughter and not you know be like no you can't read that. So. I, I think I'm hearing that more often, that there's a, a trend away from Fifty Shades of Grey kind of stories. So maybe that's true or, or, you know, maybe that's just my little corner of the world. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not really one of the movers and shakers in, in the publishing community. So I may not be the best person to answer that question. Right. We had Barbara Hinsky here, who is the author of several books that are probably more in line with your genre in that they, they can be period pieces. Sometimes they're set in the fifties or whatever, but that they are, I would say more wholesome romance that they don't have a lot of explicit sex or even allusion to it. And one of her more recent books, a novella really it was short, got made into a Hallmark movie. And so you might be onto something that there might be this, this switch towards more, uh, you know, it's a pendulum, right? There's a more wholesome right. sense of, uh, of what people want. And it's about finding your tribe. So when people find you, how, how do you know that they're still in, do they, do they tell you they buy multiple books? Do they, they let you know they're enjoying the series? What, what's a way in which it keeps you moving forward going, okay, I'm on the right path. Well, things like I walked out to go to, I walked out my front door to go to a, um, 
a book signing a few weeks ago, and my neighbor yelled out at me that she was reading The Haunting of Fury Falls in and really enjoying it. So <laughs> things like that are really encouraging. And I'll get I'll get an email occasionally or a comment on my Facebook page that says, I'm really loving your story, you know. So that helps. And the interaction that I get from people that have subscribed to my newsletter, they'll reply to my my monthly newsletter and, and talk about how they've enjoyed my story or they're looking forward to the next one or that sort of thing. So it I get little hints that way. Yeah, that's great. If you have anything that you would like to share as a final word to somebody who's thinking about writing a book, maybe they've done some nonfiction writing like you, but haven't quite taken the step towards fiction, what would your be your first piece of advice for them? Well, the, the best thing to do is to sit down and write your story. Um, you can't, you've got to put the story down. Uh, I mean, as far as on, put the words on the page as, as it were in whatever format that means. And then you can always change it. I mean, you can always edit it later. It doesn't have to be perfect as you put it down. So don't be afraid to sit down and write bad sentences that you can fix. You can't fix something you haven't written. So true. That's really helpful. I hope people that are that are there that are thinking about becoming a, an author, please take this as a, an encouragement to start. And if you are a fan of, you know, fiction, I want to encourage everyone to take a look at the book that you're writing. What other books that you have that really strike you that you'd like to share with them? The other one that I released in November is called Charmed Against All Odds, and it's a paranormal romance set in the fictional town of Roseville, Tennessee, and features witches and ghosts and things like that. And that story is one where they have to um, assemble a charm bracelet in order to learn their true destiny. So it's it was a, a good second chance at, at love story and lots of fun with the witchcraft and wands and things like that. So I had fun writing that. <laughs> awesome. Well, if you haven't already gone to check out The Haunting of Fury Falls Inn by Betty Bolte, please do. We'll link it up in our show notes. We're so grateful that you had time to come talk with us here on the Born to Write podcast to share your knowledge as well as your inspiration. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Join me again for another interview for great authors who talk about their story, how they got there, and why they feel like they're born to write. Please subscribe to this podcast, leave an honest review, and you can always find me at coachazul.com.